We have a special treat here this morning. We're going to hear from three amazing men of God, and they're going to be coming up and speaking. And so it is truly an honor that I get to introduce this first person. He's going to start us off, kick off this, this amazing time. One thing when you know about this, this man of God is that I was, I was thinking about as, we were, as I was standing over to the side, like, what do I say about Drew Brodeen? What do I say about Drew Brodeen? What do I say about Drew Brodeen? And it started to, I started to laugh and chuckle because every time I feel like I'm with him, we laugh nonstop. And he's got such an amazing laugh that when he starts laughing, you just can't help but start laughing. And I thought, you know what? How amazing of that is that he gets to, he leads as such an example of the joy of the Lord. But also too, I love watching him with his kids. He's always holding his baby. Um, he's not holding them right now, but because it's he's getting ready to come up here and speak. But he's always holding his baby. He's always, I mean, everything, every conversation that I ever have with him revolves around his family, his wife, his children, what God's doing in his life. And it's just so cool. It's like, as we asked him to be the first speaker on this Father's Day, it's like, it's just amazing to watch him grow into this man of God, as watch him serve as a husband, as a father, and that he sets the example of what I want to know, I, what I know I want to be like when I get to his age. And so I think I'm probably older than him. I don't know. But would you help me welcome to the stage Drew Brodeen as he kicks off our Father's Day messages. Goof. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a privilege to be up here. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, I was just thinking this morning, I feel like this is not only just a celebration of fathers this morning, but I just couldn't help but celebrate our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father this morning, as uh, we're just made in His likeness, right? Um, well, my, my credibility to be up here this morning is I have three kids, um, so I'm a dad, so that helps a little bit to be able to speak to some of these things this morning. I have three amazing children. Adeline is our oldest. She's four. Elijah is the middle child, who is my mini-me. He is two, two and a half. And then we have little Emery hanging out over there, bobbling her head. Uh, she is five months old uh, this coming week. So we have our hands full, church. <laughs> and I know as we're dealing with the baby dedications and everybody's excited for all the babies, I hear all the ladies in the church wanting more. I'll, uh, I'll tell you, um, that's not going to be us, okay? Uh, in fact, Katie and I, I was holding Emery the other day, and Katie and I are having a conversation about that. And as we start talking about a fourth, Emery spit up all over me. So I feel like that was her way of saying, I'm sick of this conversation I'm ready to be the baby of the family. Let's move on. So I'll take that as a sign that we can just uh, call it at this. And she has been the sweetest little baby um, for all the dads out there. It's my favorite thing, being able to hold her and cuddle her. And she falls asleep on me like that. And the other two, that was not the case at all. They fought it and just wanted mom all the time. So I am more than happy to say that this is my little girl and we're gonna, we're gonna call it a day, all right? So... Leave those conversations to other families. Paul, you guys can keep going, have seven. Um, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> no, but I, I feel like it's such an honor. It's one of the greatest honors of my life to be called a dad. Um, because I feel like it's, it's one of the main ways I feel like God allows us 
to be like him. Um, we're, we're able to create, to be in the likeness of God, all that he's created, but have the opportunity ourselves to be in his likeness, to create something and to call it good. Even though there's many days that's difficult to do that, we get to call it good. That is one of the most incredible things that I feel like we get to have this deeper connection with the Lord, the opportunity for us to be able to be in his likeness, to create, um, to have our own children uh, is the most beautiful thing. And um, I'm, I'm honored by, just as God has many names in heaven, I have so many names that the children call me at this point. Adeline, our oldest, we get to have full-on conversations. It's so much fun. Um, so I have dad. Eli is dad-da. Emery just blows spit bubbles at this point. Um, but I have so many fun names. Um, Addie, the other day, she, uh, I was brushing her teeth, and um, she just was like, oh, I love you. I love you, big guy. And uh, yeah, that one was fun. She started patting my belly, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, appreciate that, sweetie. <laughs> Parenting can be a humbling thing. Um, another fun one, uh, every morning I try to say bye to all the kids as I go to work, and I was saying bye to Katie. I said, bye, babe, love you, gave her a kiss, and I was walking out of the house, and as I'm walking out, Addie behind me says, bye, babe, love you. <laughs> so they're paying attention. <laughs> paying attention to it all. But uh, I got to tell you, the one that bothers me right now, and I don't know if any other parents can speak to this, but Hattie has started calling me by my name. She calls me Drew. And uh, I'm starting to pay attention to it, church. And I swear it's when she's in trouble. When, I, when I'm calling her saying, hey, Addie, for the third time, you need to go clean your room. She'll say to me, fine, Drew. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, girl, okay. I got to pray about this, but I'm pretty sure you just took my name in vain. <laughs> like, come on. So uh, we got to talk to this girl and get her to repent. Like, it's, it's a funny thing. So it's a funny thing being a parent. Um, it's one, like I said, one of the greatest honors in my life, but it doesn't come without challenges. That is for sure. Having three young children. We have many battles and many incredible conversations. It's such an incredible thing to be able to teach our children to love the Lord, to love church, to be able to know the Lord both in church and outside of it, for them to be able to witness us in our personal relationship with God and expose them to what it looks like to know Jesus in a personal way. And so I love that opportunity and despite the challenging moments that I have throughout this experience, God reminds me often that I am perf the perfect person to raise my children because they are, they're made in my image. Just as you and I are made in God's image, they are made in our image. And the challenges that I see my children navigating, the, the temper tantrums that they have, I can reflect on my youthful ages and even now. <laughs> the temper tantrums that I have, and I can say, hey, I get it. Let's try to work through this. Let's try to navigate this together. So the, the things that our kids have to navigate, man, it is incredible, both good and bad, to see the ways that they are embodying the things that God gave us. 
our daughter is, our oldest daughter is such a good blend of Katie and I. Um, And specifically, she got both of our stubbornness. Um, She has a double portion of stubbornness. Um, But to be able to, to teach them in the ways that I've had to navigate is one of the coolest things that I've been able to experience. Um, to be able to walk them through the challenges of life, the things that I've had to go through. And I just find that as such an, an honor. Um, I've even, I've questioned the Lord on that sometimes though. I, I say, you know, in, a, in my silliness, I said, Lord, can you even understand what it's like? You didn't have children when you were here. And yet uh, that's always a silly conversation when you challenge the Lord. I got to tell you, um, I remember having that conversation with God one day and saying like, I don't, how, how can you get this? You didn't have kids, you know, what does that even look like for you? And he's like, I didn't have kids. He's like, you only have three to deal with. I have billions to deal with. Can you imagine? I think that's why God never sleeps, even if he wanted to. He's got too many challenges to navigate on this earth. <laughs> so anyways, I, I'm so grateful for the Lord in the way that he, he came to not only do all that he's done to be our savior, but he came to understand and to comprehend and to overcome all the challenges of this world and to show us that there is hope for each and every one of us to battle it, to navigate it, and to overcome all that we have to face. And he is going to be with us in the relationships, in the parenting, in the work, in all that we have to navigate. And I'm so encouraged by that. And I want to share, uh, I want to share a verse with you all from Psalm 127, if you want to turn with me. Um, the blessing of the Lord is what it says. I want to start in verse one. Um, there's five verses in total, but I just find it so encouraging as I was trying to figure out what exactly on Father's Day I wanted to be able to speak to. Um, that just stood out heavily. It says in verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain I'll read verse two. In vain, you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. I was encouraged by that last part with the young child. He gives sleeps to the ones he loves. Oh, Lord, love me well in this season. <laughs> no, but I, I, I was encouraged um, by that first part. The, well, the Lord challenged me in it too. Um, there's a saying that says, little is much if God's in it. And in the same way, the reverse is also true. Much is nothing if God is not in it. Um, The house that we build, both for our personal selves, but for the families that we are creating, both as individuals and collective units, but also as a community, this family that we get to build, we are building not in vain because the Lord is in it. Um, I am so encouraged every time I come to church here when the Holy Spirit shows up and we let him move and move freely. That is something we cannot take for granted as a community, that we're not just in here to rush through the process, to sing our words, to hear the scripture and to walk out feeling full or at least satisfied that that box has been ticked. We, We get to encounter the Lord in a unique way And I believe it's just such an encouragement in the experiences that we have that there is no work being done in vain because it's God's. Um, The way that we parent, um, the way that I, you know, you and I go to work, the relationships we have, 
uh, can be in vain if they're not in the Lord's hands. And I, I believe for maybe some of us, you might find yourself feeling like you're hitting a wall over and over again in a relationship. And I would just challenge you to evaluate if it's in God's hands, to make sure that the Lord is involved in the process and that uh, he's the one giving you the guidance on how to handle it. Um, the verse continues in verse three, um, and this is the, the Father's Day portion that I love. Uh, Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Oh, I love that. I love what it means to, uh, to be a parent and to have arrows in our quiver. Um, my, what do you want to call that, an arrow carrier? I don't know what you call that. <laughs> uh, mine has three. I love that it only can carry three. Praise God. Um, but there, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see your children as a part of, really, our family unit in heaven's armies. We are raising and equipping children to be a part of the Holy Spirit, to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be a part of the work that he wants to accomplish in this, this area. And I was asking the Lord about it. I'm like, what, what exactly does that mean? He's like, we, we want to, uh, he said, we want to make sure we have sharp arrows and not Nerf bullets. Um, and I just felt, I felt challenged by that, that. The equipping of the youth of this next generation is so important. There are so many Nerf bullets out there. And what I mean by that, I believe, is truly that this next generation is filled with kids who understand the Word of God. If the Word of God is our sword and our shield, if God is our protector, then I believe it's important that you and I equip them to be sharp as an arrow, a double-edged sword, right? And so the equipping of the Word is an important part because, unfortunately, there is not enough in the, in the world. We got way too many people trying to shoot Nerf bullets at the enemy and not accomplishing much, right? And so we need children who are raised up to be sharp. Um, I'm equipping our, our kids heavily in this season um, with identity, um, with an understanding of who they are. Addie, our oldest, is seeking so much affirmation in who she is. She wants to hear from her father. She wants to hear from her mother who she is. And the importance of you and I speaking into our kids on a daily basis. And trust me, it's a challenging thing to make sure that we are not constantly just pointing out, hey, you cannot grab your sister like that. Please do not choke your brother. You know, do, like, uh, we're talking about hugs, not chokeholds. Um, it's a challenging thing. It's a challenging thing. But I am, I'm challenged and encouraged by the Lord in the sharpening process can be a complicated thing, but I feel like if the Lord's in it, then it's going to happen, and it's going to happen well. And we're going to raise them up in this next generation. Um, you know, I've been hearing, I've been hearing conversations um, with this coming generation, coming to age of how many don't want to have children, or they want to have them much later. And to that, I kind of say, good, because if you guys don't want to have kids, then let this next generation be a full of full of believers who are coming up of the church and who are being raised in godly ways. Um, and so 
I just believe the Lord is encouraging each and every one of us to uh, encourage our kids. Encourage our kids to run this race with perseverance, to sharpen them, to be a part of the kingdom, that they would be equippers, that they would be a part of our blessing. Um, Children are a blessing. And maybe you need to hear that today. They are a blessing. Um, And they're a blessing to each and every one of us. And so... Anyways, I just want to pray a blessing upon the parents, upon our community this morning, uh, that we would just continue to sharpen our children. We continue to bless them and equip them um, for the days to come. So Jesus, we, just, we bless each and every parent in this room this morning. We bless those in our communities, Lord Jesus, who are also involved in the parenting process. We know that it takes a village to raise a child. And so I just commission each and every one of us in this church to walk that process with every parent, whether you have children or not, Lord, we just ask that you would just bless those who go before us, those who come behind us, Lord Jesus. We bless every generation. We just ask that you raise up this next generation to be powerful children, powerful youth, powerful adults in this kingdom, Lord Jesus. Sharpen them as arrows for your work. And we ask a blessing upon each and every parent that you bless them with patience and perseverance. You bless them, uh, the fathers especially today, with an identity of who they are and a, uh, a masculinity to be able to speak life into their children, to raise up young men in what it means to be men of God. And we just ask a blessing upon the entire unit of family. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you. You know, as Drew was talking, I was thinking about, um, I've, I've shared numerous times how um, my father passed away when I was 11, getting ready to turn 12. And when mom moved us from, from Boise area all the way out to Portland, and we started go, attending a church, it was the people of the church that started to become fathers to me. Um, it was my youth pastor that ended up teaching me how to use a power tool and how to uh, play basketball and how to... Uh, learn the word, how to, how to love the word so much. And it was people in the church that really started to, to speak identity into my life of who I was, who God has called me to be. And, and if you're in the congregation today and, and you don't have kids, I'm telling you, it's still an opportunity that you have to be able to speak into someone because I'm, I'm a living testament of what a, a person that didn't have kids, what they started pouring into my life. And now I'm standing here today and having my own kids and, and still knowing the legacy that someone that wasn't my father was pouring into me. And, and this next person that we're going to bring up, he's the father of the house. He's our senior pastor. We love him so much. But I tell you one thing about him. I know I already gave, I gave it away who's coming up next. So, but I tell you one thing about him and, and that I've, I've been working with him now for almost five years. We've shared an office for a, for a while and there was a lot of fun. <laughs> he's already starting to laugh. <laughs> We shared, a, we shared an office. We share a lot. There's a lot of times he just picks me up and he says, Timothy, get in the truck. We're going to go, we're gonna go get something for the church. And I take off with him, and, and it's been the most amazing and blessing opportunity, not just for me, but can I tell you, he also does it for so many other people. That when, when, when we start talking, you can see he not only starts talking about his own kids and grandkids and what God's doing in their life, he starts talking about all of you. 
And he starts talking about this person in the church and that person. Did you see God do something great in their life on Sunday? And we sit there and we literally start just talking about all the different things that God is doing. And, and years ago, he was voted in as our senior pastor. Our, our culture of what we do today is, is blessed beyond measure because of the, the, the way, the, pay, the paving and the, the amount of hours and, and prayer that him and Pastor Renee had to do so that we could be who, who Valley Church is today. So that we could stand in true identity knowing who that we are called and we're equipped and empowered to fulfill our purpose in Christ. And we love him. We, 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 we all think the world of him. And I'm telling you, again, it's, as much as we show him love is as much as that he turns around and loves each and every one of us. So would you help me welcome to the stage our senior pastor, Pastor Lynn Hardy, as he brings the next word on this Father's Day. Thank you. Love you, Pastor. Love you. Wow. <clears throat> Try to regain composure just a little bit. Uh, Drew, that was an amazing message. So good. So good. What, wasn't that awesome? And Pastor Tim, good grief, that kid never ceases to amaze me. He blesses me, challenges me. You know, uh, Drew, as you were talking about raising these little ones and what a challenge these little ones, and God get me through each of these challenges, someday you're going to have the opportunity to parent adults. And then you're going to learn about challenges. <laughs> Ron, Julie, is that not right? <laughs> uh, well, I have uh, raised four children just one year ago about this time. Number four was out the door. So uh, I have quite a bit of experience myself, and I have ten grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. So, not necessarily claiming a great deal of wisdom, but quite a bit of experience. I want to, I, I this morning want to end up taking a look from a different angle and a different perspective for Luke chapter 15, uh, Parable of the Prodigal Son. I, I want to read that, and then I want to get pretty practical. Uh, so, are you ready? If I could get verse 11, chapter verse, verse 11 from chapter 15. Everybody knows that, you know, the Bible is just full of examples, and the parables were amazing examples for us. And the Bible oftentimes, when it's talking about people is showing not only their amazing accomplishments, but also sometimes their shortcomings and the things that, that is bringing warnings to us. Uh, right? Yeah, it's not everybody was perfect. Um, and, and I think that here's an incredible example of that right here, and we're going to un unpack some of that. So, verse 11, and he said, we were talking, Jesus was telling the story, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, 
Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Pretty amazing. That was a really quick response. Father, give me the share that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So the property was divided. Everybody say it was divided. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine came across that country, and he began to be in need. Usually I'm reading from New King James. This time it's English Standard Version, and it said he squandered a lot of his, his money on prostitutes um, in New King James. So, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Interesting pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that even the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is something that just like really rings in my ear. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's amazing when the enemy gets involved and gets in, in one of your ears when you've slipped up, when you've made a mistake, when you've fallen away, and all of a sudden you're no longer worthy to be a son. Anybody relate to that? But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. They said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. The, younger, or the older brother's response was, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came who, was who has devoured your property with who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And you said to him, son, and he said to him, the older brother, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this, your brother, was dead 
He's alive now. He was lost. Now he is found. Powerful, we've heard that. I mean, I've heard that a hundred times, and I don't know how many times I've read it. It's like, yes, wow, that older brother, man, he wasn't very nice. He wasn't very appreciative of, of the things that his, that his father had given him. But I think of both of these young men and the father that raised him, the amazing job the father did when the son was coming back. He was so quick when, when the son came and repented and said, forgive me, I have sinned against heaven, I have sinned against you. He quickly forgave his son, put the best robe on him, and said, you are truly my son. He even put the ring back on his finger, the signet ring, the, the, the ring that gave him like a credit card again. It's like he did not make his son start over and have to prove himself into sonship again, right? There was no proving. He came back, he repented, and he was reestablished as a son. I think this is significant. This is big for all of us to realize that, man, we don't have to go through and prove ourselves over and over again. We have to repent, ask forgiveness, be ready to turn away from. Undoubtedly, he knew the, 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 the protocol, what was established in his father's house, what would be expected of him was how he would live as a son, and he was repentant and willing to come back to that. Right? Everybody got that? So, amazing. The wonderful kind of father right there. But that father not, had not accomplished that within his son, understanding that he was a son, and had a safe place to come back to. I mean, the son had to end up hitting the very, very, very bottom before he was willing to go back, be desperate and starving, before he was willing to go back home and, and repent to his father. Is this making sense right here? Because he did not feel, he felt like there was things that he absolutely had to do to step back into his father's love, not step back, step into a place of servanthood so he could earn again the standing that from where he left. We good? Clear? Okay. So... Father hadn't done a great job of establishing true sonship yet in the younger brother. But when he came back, was very quick to forgive him, restore him. Um, one of the things that, 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 I, that I wrote down here, he didn't have to prove himself worthy because he was completely forgiven, but there most likely are consequences for sin, which oftentimes is financial consequences. I want you to know that, that Jewish custom then was the elder brother, the firstborn, was, received double portion. It was double blessing. He got twice as much. So if, if, if the dad had a million dollars and the, the inheritance that he was handing out, the younger son who left would have got 333333 dollars and 33 cents, that being saved up for the elder son when he was ready for his would have been 666, six, oh, that's a bunch of sixes, that doesn't sound very good, but anyway, that's what he would have had, right? 
double portion, a third for one, two-thirds for the other, is the reality there. And the, but the older brother really didn't have any idea. And when the father said to him, son, son, we've been together this whole time. I see you as a partner. You have access to everything that I have. Everything, it, it's all yours. And when the inheritance is passed on, it's all going to be yours. It's like, you don't realize that? We've been together all this time? I'm thinking, here's what I have written down for this. Older brother, you know, you're a partner. You're a partner. You've been in the presence of the Father the whole time. But the problem is an orphan spirit has developed within you. Feeling that everything was performance-based. You're only loved by what you do and what you accomplish. So he didn't feel like a loved, a loved-on, an appreciated son. He said, Dad, you, you've never even so much as given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. It's like, remember what the woman at the well when Jesus and, and the woman at the well, when he said, if you had only asked, I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. It's like what, what, what I'm hearing here that the father's saying is, like, son, you never even asked. Ask and you receive. It, it's, it's been here for you all, all along, all the time. I think sometimes as parents, it's like, the older son was right there. He said, I've been with you. So they were together. They were, you know, he, in one another's presence. Yet the father never made the older son feel like he was genuinely loved without accomplishing and accomplishing and accomplishing. Are you with me? Okay. It's like, orphan spirit, I have got to do, I have got to accomplish, then my father will love me. We're working for love instead of from love when we're working and, and being operated and manipulated by an orphan spirit. Does this make sense to anybody yet? So older son basically had that orphan spirit. I've been working all this time. In fact, he was out in the field working. Where did father mess up here? As I read this over and over again, it's like, good grief. The younger son came. The party has always begun. The calf has already been butchered. They're ready to celebrate. The music's going on. And dad left the older son still out in the field working. Wouldn't you think that he would have sent somebody out there? Guess what? Ralph is back home. Somebody let Bob go know so we can come in and put together a celebration. Older son could have been a part of helping create this celebration, not left out in the field working. Sometimes I think, not think, sometimes I know, I've seen it right up close, that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The problem child gets so much attention that the good kid is overlooked. Sometimes that strong-willed little brat 
gets all the attention, while the big sister or the big brother, go grab your little sister and take, and take care of that, is running around taking care of all of the things and feeling unappreciated the whole time. It's like, man, as parents, as parents, we need to be so careful that we don't create a big brother syndrome in someone. It's like whether it's a younger, whether it's, a, it, it, it's something that can just happen. When we see what needs, what, from our perspective, what really needs focus, this is the problem child, this is the one that really needs my help, and we overlook the older, which causes pain in their heart and, and causes a real problem, establishing an orphan spirit syndrome. Everybody say orphan spirit means that you feel like you have to work, you have to do to receive somebody's love. Us, as parents, I mean, we think we're loving well. Surely you should know. You know how much I love you. Don't you? It's like, it's really, really, really important that we have good communication, that we're intentional with our time, and, and that we begin to divide it up appropriately and be aware that, man, the one that's running around doing good all of the time, the one that's keeping their mouth shut, can really be hurting and never express it. I think, wow, Drew, you must have gone way over time. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Tim, I know you went too long on the introduction. Here's something that we need to to know and, and recognize as well, you know. It's like raise up a child in the way that they should go, and they won't depart from it. Teach them. Teach them well. But as you are training your child, you're training your children, the values that you instill in your children, this is how important this is, is something that you will reap when you get older because it's the way that your children are going to end up treating you. Let me say that again. The values that you instill in your children is something that you're going to get the opportunity to reap. Like you reap what you sow because when they get older and you get older, you're going to end up reaping the values that you've established within them. Uh, See, you're training up those that when they grow up and when you grow old, they're going to be the ones making decisions for you. It's like, man, are you pouring the right stuff, the good stuff into them, so that when they come to the right age, that's like, can I please stay in one of your bedrooms? Ryan? (laughs) Yeah, the law of sowing and reaping. What you're sowing into your children is something that you're going to reap. 
And it's like I, several years ago, a number of years ago, I saw a family, uh, an amazing family, three young kids. I mean, uh, parents with a great uh, careers. And they decided, they felt really compelled to adopt three young children that had like some special needs. And they adopted those children, and that, that was amazing. But those special needs children took so much of that mom and dad's attention that they neglected their three biological, normal, high-achieving children to the point that all three of those ended up by the time they graduated and went off to high school and college were messed up because they felt compelled to end up raising up these other kids. So it's when don't have more mercy and compassion for those that you serve than those that you love. Don't have more, don't use all of your energy, your passion, your compassion, your mercy for those that you serve. Don't use it all up on those, more on them than you use on those that you love. Yeah, some, somebody started to clap. I think we should all clap for that. And when we're bringing correction to our children, when we're teaching them something, especially as they get older and older, but even the littlest people, when we want to establish identity within them, we have to be very cautious about the words that we use, like, oh, you silly, oh, don't be stupid, don't, oh, that, don't be, oh, you're so silly. It's like, if you hear silly enough, you're going to end up being silly. It's like we have to be very proactive in our choice of words that we're speaking over our children. I'm going to just use one, one example. I was like 42 when Christy was born, so I figured out a few things by then. But the things that I spoke over her, taking her to school every day, we would sing, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it and be glad in it. So we're clapping and singing and shouting by the time we ended up getting to her school. And then I would pray over her. And in that prayer, she would hear these words. Sweetheart, you are beautiful. You are intelligent. You are highly intelligent. You're an incredible athlete. You, young lady, are a leader. She heard those four things every single day of school till finally they became ingrained, became a part of who she was and today is. Be intentional with your words, what you're speaking over your children. And when you correct them, speak without being offensive. Don't offend, don't hurt feelings. And listen without being defensive. Speak without being offensive. Listen without being defensive. When they have something to say, when they have something to speak back, allow them a voice so you can hear what they're saying without your defenses immediately popping up and go, but, 
Hear them out. Let them leave the conversation or the correction with their dignity. Don't strip them of their dignity. They are people. Now, I want to introduce the next speaker, who is someone that I have the utmost respect, admiration, and honor for, my father-in-law, the pastor, the founding pastor of this church, is going to end up speaking, sharing a little of his heart, speaking a Father's Day blessing over the fathers, and I spent 15 years sitting under his pastoring, teaching, preaching, seven years as his assistant pastor administrator, and now 11 years as senior pastor because of and through the teaching of my beloved father-in-law, Pastor Norman Rutson. Let's welcome... Good morning, and the Lord bless you. Good to see you this morning. Glad for what has already been said, and I don't have a sermon this morning. I do have some thoughts I want to share, and then a spiritual transaction that I am a firm believer in. <clears throat> the Scripture talks about the blessing. I'm a strong believer in giving blessings. I believe there's power and strength in blessings. Just this past week, my uh, grandson's wife and my two great-granddaughters visited us. And uh, the Lord, I felt, uh, woke me early in the morning about four o'clock and deeply impressed upon my mind that I was to bless them. And uh, I'm a strong believer in the power and the strength of blessing. The scripture has a lot to say about the blessing of the Lord. And so uh, before they left uh, yesterday, uh, they came and I was sitting in the chair. I had them kneel before me individually and I spoke to them and then pronounced a blessing over them not knowing for sure that I would uh, see them again I'm at the stage of life when you never know for sure and uh, I felt the uh, approval and the uh, sanction of the Lord upon that act though it is a physical act that has a tremendous spiritual implication. There's a scripture in Psalms 128 that says this, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, I'm sorry, I better get in the right chapter. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. 
When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion. The greatest blessing of my life has been my family. Nothing is closer or uh, more important in my heart than my family. Being a father is, I think, the uh, greatest and most wonderful experience that God has granted to us as men. The blessing is important to us. It's important that you feel and understand the blessing of God upon your life. There's significance in what happened here today when this beautiful family brought their baby to be dedicated to the Lord and to invoke the blessing of God upon his life. Those are spiritual transactions. They are not just rituals. They are not just something that you have as a memory. It is a spiritual experience and transaction that has significance. And we have come to see a time in our nation where the role of men and women is distorted. We're in a battle. We are in a spiritual war. This is not just another phase of things. Let me speak to you as one who has a love and concern for your family and for you individually. We are in a spiritual fight for the spiritual life of our nation. A lot rests upon you men today, you fathers, that you fulfill the role that God has for you in these very trying and testing times. The church has an important role in helping to direct and navigate our children and family through these times. I am so thrilled that we have the school that we have and for the effect and influence upon those children and the blessing that is to the families that have their children there. It's important that we have all of these resources available to see our families through with victory in these trying times in which we live. In these enlightened times, supposedly, we are now passing on to a younger generation a lot of the nonsense of the fact that they don't even know if they're a boy or girl, I think it's tragic. I think it's a, a disastrous thing to impose upon our young people and children growing up. And I don't want to get on a political bandwagon here, but I just want to tell you, as parents, fight the good fight of faith. We can't sit by idly and quiet. We have to speak out, we have to take our stand, and we have to have the blessing of God upon our families. We are so morally bankrupt that we're pawning this confusion onto our children. To me, this is the most devilish aspect of these crazy things that are happening, is they're trying to impose them and bring them into the life and the intellect and the thinking and the reasoning of our children. Fathers, we can't let that happen. We must take our stand as dads and fathers.
in this trying time. And then it is important for us to understand that it's not just a drudgery or a, a struggle and a fight all the time. One of the greatest things that you need to preserve and cultivate and have in your family is a lot of fun, a lot of happiness. I'm so glad to have some of my family here today. I'd like for them to stand. They are my pride and joy. <clears throat> We had a lot of fun, and uh, we had a lot of tough times, but uh, they were great in there. I'm glad that they served the Lord, just as one of the apostles said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And so it's here today that we honor you as fathers. It's been said that as fathers go, so goes the home. As home goes, so goes the nation. Fathers, let's stand up and be counted. Let's take our place, let's take our stand and be the leaders and the spiritual guide to those that are under our charge. I desire for you fathers to feel and recognize the blessing of God. What I'm really talking to you about this morning is the blessing. It's important to feel and know and have the blessing. The blessing is not something that you study for and accumulate through learning. Blessing is a spiritual transaction between you and your God. It is a spiritual experience. Would you with me say the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Stop right there. That should set the stage for the most amazing aspect for you to consider this morning. God in His instructions to us as we address Him starts out by saying, Our Father, this is how you pray. Our Father, to think that God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, wanted us to look and to approach and to relate to Him as our Father, not as a God sitting on some terrestrial throne somewhere, but He wanted to be in your home. He wanted to be in your heart. He wanted to be in your emotions. He wanted it to be in, in your aspirations and those things of life that mean so much to you. To be a father is such an honor. To be a father is such an opportunity. To be a father is such a privilege. I desire for your fathers to feel and recognize the blessing of God upon your life. And in just a moment, I want to impart a blessing to you. I pray that God gives you grace and wisdom to lead your family, to direct your family. That he will show you the way. That he will help you to know the things you need to do as as a father. I would like for the fathers to stand at this time, if you would, please. 
Now, if you would, I'd appreciate you fathers if you come stand here across the front. If you do that, please. you as a congregation to look at these men standing here these are warriors I appreciate so much the men of this church God bless you men for your courage for your commitment for your dedication for your obedience to the word of the Lord for you taking your place in this troubled challenging world and standing strong caring and loving as a father I do pray that God will bless you in every way in your role as a father and so I want to pray for you first Heavenly Father I thank you for this time and this day I thank you for every one of these men standing here I pray, Lord, your rich blessing, grace, and goodness upon them. I pray, Lord, that you will guide them, direct them, grant them the strength, the wisdom, the understanding, the compassion, and the love, and the courage to discipline, guide, and direct their families. I pray, Lord, your blessings today upon them in fathers in these troubled times and now a blessing is not just a prayer from the Lord a blessing is a pronouncement and I want to grant to you this morning a blessing I'd like for you to if you would just open your hands I can't come to each one of you and lay my hands on you but I want you to receive this from the Lord May the Lord bless you with loving and caring Father's heart. May God grant you wisdom, discretion, and understanding to lead your family with gladness, kindness, and confidence. May your home be filled with happiness. May you be blessed with wellness and strength. May you be blessed with discernment and wisdom. May you be blessed with favor and honor. May you be blessed in your labor and in your leisure. May God's grace, goodness, strength, and wisdom be your portion day by day. And would you say, I receive it in the name of the Lord. Now I want to do something very personal for some of you. Uh, first of all, I'd like for a few men would just turn around the other direction towards the congregation. 
keep enough space in between here. I'd like for all of the uh, children of these men that are here, if you'd come and stand by your father. All of you that have a father here, I want you to come stand by him. You men may have to spread out just a little bit to make room. And I want you to stand facing your father. So that means you'd be facing me and he's facing that direction. Now you as a father are a priest in your home. God has given you a great responsibility and he has also gifted you with what you need to be a good father. And so right now I want you to place your hands on the head of that child, your daughter or your son in front of you. And I want you to invoke your own personal blessing upon them right now. Just a brief pronouncement of blessing upon them so they can hear you. Bless you, Val. trust you've had time to give your blessing now one more intimate time I never knew my father I never called a man dad or father until several years after I was married A man by the name of Bud took me into their home, he and Martha. They were connected with the families of Rich Mincer. They took me in as their own while my mother worked. She refused to accept welfare. And so she couldn't take care of me and work to make a living too. So Bud and Martha provided me a home. I never remember him saying he loved me, but he showed me that he did. He was a man that I wanted to emulate. He showed me how to develop pictures, do photography. He played the guitar, taught me how to play the guitar. He was a mechanic and as just a Little kid, he would loosen the bolts and then let me take them out and put them in the washer and 
it planted in my mind, in my boy's mind, mechanical uh, thoughts and understanding. He helped me or let me help him build a house. Our son recently took us on a visit to Walla Walla. And I remembered the house we went by and it was still there. I couldn't believe how overcome I was with emotion as I walked over to that house and looked out and back and Mill Creek was still there where as a boy I would take my BB gun and cross Mill Creek and hunt for some birds in the bushes on the other side just exactly like I remembered it. Those were important days for me. I didn't have my own dad, but I had a man that cared for me like a dad. I'd like for, for Steve, Steve, raise your hand, hi. I want to honor Steve today. I saw in my own family a repeated experience of a young boy that was his brother was killed in the gang wars and fighting. We had his brother's funeral in the gymnasium when we were still meeting in there. This boy's dad was in prison. He didn't have any stable home to go to. Valerie and Steve took him in as their own boy. Their family accepted and received him. Here not too long ago, he graduated from BSU with the first one of everybody's family that graduated from college. And now he has an excellent, very uh, well-paying job in um, prosthetics and uh, a marvelous career. A boy that was saved from disaster by those who would care enough to be a dad. I appreciate Bud and Martha to this day and thankful for them and what they did for me. I want right now for those, and this is a very sincere and close thing to my heart, if there's anyone here right now that has had a difficult experience, you've lacked a father image, or you've been hurt, by a man. I would like for you to come and stand by one of these men. If you men would turn around once again, if you would, please. I'd like for you to come and stand by one of these men. Be brave. This is not to bring any embarrassment or any kind of intimidation upon you. It's a time I want God to minister to you. For God to break some bands. For God to heal some hurts that you live with day by day. And I want that to be healed. Don't hesitate. This is not to embarrass you. But if you would, if that's an experience and you need a blessing, I want you to come quickly. And then they're going to pray for you. Those that come right now, would you men just extend your hand or... Put your hand upon them. I want you to pray a blessing upon them. I want you to pray and pronounce God's goodness, God's provision, God's deliverance, that God will fill the lack, that God will provide someone 
to be the help that they need to make their life complete and well. Renee and Lynn, your pastor, took, was it one or two of the Indian girls? There was one Indian girl they took into their home and kept her for a time until things could be stabilized in her family. It could be today that someone in this auditorium is going to be directed or led or impressed to the Lord to provide for some youngster, whether it's a child, a teenager, someone that is lonely, isolated, abandoned, forgotten, offended, hurt. You could be the one to move up beside or around them. Not, not necessarily to take them in your home, maybe that would happen too, but for you to surround and stand by them and with them, minister to them with love, kindness, and consideration. It'll be the joy of your life to be a blessing to them and they'll never forget it the rest of their days. Lord, I thank you right now for the work of your spirit and your presence upon these who are gathered here in this area. I pray, Lord, that you would visit them and rest upon them right now, Lord, with the holy anointing of your spirit and presence. I pray that you will speak peace to the troubled spirit. I pray that you will put the healing balm upon the broken heart the wounded crushed emotions. Give them restoration. Give them renewal. Give them new hope, new confidence, new trust. That they count. That they have something to offer. This community, this church, this area, this world, there's a purpose in their life. And now I pray that the blessings of God would be upon you. May His Spirit be a healing balm. May you walk out of here today with your head up, with your step strong, with your courage bold, with your confidence intact, and with your hopes renewed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now it'd be good for all of us to lift our hands and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord for His goodness. Bless the Lord for His kindness. Bless the Lord for His mercies that are new every day. We thank You, Lord, for Your provision to us. You are our strength, our help, our hope, our life, our joy. Thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy to us.